to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the fish-like Matt. Hello there. I, I was looking up synonyms for fish-like, and there are none. Okay. I can't, I, I, um, it's the best I could do. Aquarius? I mean, that's a star sign, isn't it? Aquatic, yeah. I guess. Aquatic. Aquatic. That would have been better. I'm not going to bother retaking the intro. No. <laughs> uh, um, peek behind the curtain. This is already the second take of the intro. I'm yep. not, not yep. going for a third. Uh, but yeah, obviously we're going with Aquatic because uh, we're talking about uh, Vampires of Venice this week. Be- before we do, yes. I want to go off on an absolute tangent. Go for it. Okay. Mm. So today is Thursday when yep. we record. This episode will be out on Saturday. Yeah. Saturday is a very special day. Is it? Well, I hope so, because we'll be spending Saturday evening together. Oh my goodness, of course we will, yes. And yeah, I forgot about today that. Today being Thursday, I just want to say happy birthday to our friend Roy. Oh, absolutely. Without who, there would be no podcast. No, he's the it, great uniter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we met through, well not through him, but because of him. Definitely, yeah. Um, it was basically me, uh, Matt and Roy were the sort of um, founding members of our D&D in general gaming group that has now been rumbling on for, my God, how many years is it? Uh, six years. Six years. Seventh anniversary early next year. Yeah, which, given that we live in quite a rural area, I think is a genuine achievement, because yeah. it's hard to make so, this thing stick. Uh, truth be told, I did buy Roy a birthday present. Mm-hmm. I gave Roy the birthday present. Roy loved the birthday present. Then when I went to his house, I knocked it off a shelf and smashed it. <laughs> so this is my birthday present to Roy to say sorry for breaking your birthday present, Roy. Yeah, that 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 all sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, excited, big Saturday evening for yeah, the boys. Absolutely, yeah. Dungeons I'm... and Dragons yeah. all around. Yeah, God, we are pathetic. Aren't we? Are you kidding me? It's gonna be. <laughs> Fucking incredible. I mean, it will be, but in the nerdiest way imaginable. I mean, I don't want to disclose my plan too early, <laughs> but I'm definitely looking forward to ruining someone's evening. <laughs> I mean, a couple of weeks ago we played Twilight Imperium, mm-hmm. and I relished the role in being the great traitor and upsetting people. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that's par for the course for mm. me, really. Yeah, notorious <laughs> bastard. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, so tangents aside, uh, should we get stuck into uh, this week's episode? Well, I, you know, I want to take your temperature because this is our second episode written by Toby Whithouse. Yes. Um, who you last saw writing for Who with uh, Series 2's uh, School Reunion. Which was dog shit. Hmm. I don't know. Robotic dog shit. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, it's got K9 going for it at least. Yeah. Uh, um, so, how do you feel about this one? Is it an improvement for on school reunion for you? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. I, I can't say I loved this episode, mm-hmm. but if nothing else, it was really breezy. Yeah, it, it got to the ending quite quickly. It didn't drag. It's, uh, I think, and it's a, I, there's some really funny stuff in here as well. I, it's like, yeah, there's a couple of moments. I think there's some there's some cracking humor in here. And for me, this is like. A perfect example of bread and butter Doctor Who. Can, it's just getting the job done. Can I make a revelation? Yeah. That I came across in this episode. Go for it. Already, I think Matt Smith might be my favourite Doctor. Really? Yeah. He's really Ooh. fucking good. He is, isn't he? Yeah, and yeah. like, I mean, 
How many modern doctors are we up to now? Five? Yes. Yeah. And he's probably the lesser known of the five. Certainly he was an unknown when he was cast, Mm. which was not true of Eccleston or Tennant. Yeah, or Capaldi or or Whitaker. They they were all, to some extent, established actors in a way that Matt Smith just wasn't. Like, he'd had one supporting role in a not particularly... um, uh, uh, it was, I think, it was well received by critics, but wasn't like didn't a lot of people I, didn't see it. I, it was a political drama. I, I was did, watching this and I just thought, I enjoy this, but in a very different way to how I've enjoyed it previously. Yeah, and he's the X factor for me. I think. Yeah, I think he's definitely a key aspect of it. I, I would say also, I think like you can, f- I can you feel that the, the production team is different? That it's like. Yeah, it's not the same. I can't quite put my scenes. finger on it, but it—he's like the figurehead of the change. Yeah, and I enjoy the change. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely feels like a breath of fresh air after Tenant. Mm. Um, I, and... I like Tenant, but with hindsight, a lot of his stories are really miserable. Yeah, like there is a there is like a... you get just get the feeling nothing good is ever going to come and then at the end when he gets his ending it's not a happy ending no it's 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 rtd has that sort of tendency towards melodrama Mm. um whereas this is really perky and yeah it's like yeah it's 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 all it's borderline a sitcom at times Mm. in like the especially now that with this episode we've got rory on board Yes. And I think we'll, there'll be a lot of Rory talk in today's episode. Or at least yeah. I hope there will be. There needs mm. to be. Um, so, shall we get shall we get sort of stuck into the, the, uh, yeah. the story? Such so, we do. start in Venice in 1580. Mm-hmm. And we have Guido. Yes, played by... I was going to look his I'm name I'm going to let you didn't. pronounce this. Oh, I haven't even got it open it's, on my phone. I, I want to say Lucian Masamati. Uh-huh. Who hopefully you recognised as a fellow Game of Thrones fan. Yeah, he plays Salador San. Yeah. And he's good in this. Yeah, and he's good in Game of, Th- Game he of is. Thrones. Like, he is. Um, he just, I don't know what it is about him as an actor, because he, like, he's not given much to do in Thrones, and he's not given much to do in this, but he just has a He has a charisma. suave charisma, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, so, Guido is trying to get his daughter into, like, a posh finishing school yes. essentially yeah and the headmistress says yes mm-hmm. at the cost that he has to say goodbye to his daughter immediately yeah and then i mean just to sum this episode up next sentence in my notes i've just put soon as dad disappears it's clearly all vampires yeah <laughs> yeah they're not beating around the bush no with, uh, with this episode but but as soon i think I even said it on pod when you said, oh, we're doing Vampires of Venice. Yeah. It's never vampires. It's always aliens. Yeah. I mean, let's think. We've done ghosts that weren't ghosts. We've done werewolves that weren't werewolves. Witches that weren't witches. Yeah. So. Demons that weren't demons. Yeah. It was only a matter of time before we did vampires that aren't vampires. (laughs) I'm looking forward to a Frankenstein. Oh, that would. And be I know fun. everyone's going. It's Frankenstein's monster, actually. It's a Frankenstein. Yeah. I mean, what else could we do? A Shrek. <laughs> They're not going to do a Shrek. <laughs> that would don't be skirting too close to copyright infringement. But, yeah. So, she screams. <coughs> yep. 
sort of fade to black, and those screams turns into a cheer. Because yeah. it's Rory Stagdale. Yeah. And I love this scene. I, I love, I love the, everything about this it's, scene. It's quite nuanced, because the fact that his stag is so shit... Yeah. Sort of tells you everything you need to know about Rory. Yeah, because, I mean... He's just one of life's losers, isn't he? Yeah, I I mean, except for the fact that he's somehow engaged to Karen Gillan. Well, yeah, (laughs) other than that. Um, But, yeah, so it's like... It's, like, obviously a bit of a, you know, typical old man pub. Local village kind of a pub. He's got his mates. they're, They're wearing, like pseudo football tops that say Rory Stag on the back yeah um, and they've got like a picture of Amy and Rory on the front and yeah it's it's all very low key and casual yeah. isn't it but to the extent he's able to slip away to try and recall Amy yeah and as he's on the phone they wheel out a big cake yeah Big papery looking cake. We know where this is going. We, we. I, I guess this is. gag. Before yeah. I even saw the cake, it was that predictable. But does that diminish how good it was in execution? Uh, it was pretty good because I just think Matt Smith's performance, the moment he pops out of that cake, is just delightful to me. Because, mm. like, you genuinely feel like. In, in in his weird broken alien brain way that this was he, he saw the cake was like this is a good idea mm. this is this will be a fun way to break the news to Rory that his fiance has gotten a, had a bit of a wobble mm. and snogged me yes <laughs> so um, but anyway yeah so that's that's what happens uh, Rory reacts as pretty much as one would expect yeah um, and then we cut to the titles yeah so. Following that, we're back on the TARDIS. Yeah. Rory's there now. Yeah. And the doctor says, it's almost like couples therapy. You can go anywhere on a date. You choose, any time, yeah. any place, and I'll take you. And I, I really like this, because I know you were worried about the end of the last episode, the way that weird scene where Amy tries to kiss uh, the doctor and, and mm. you know, oh, are we going down the whole romantic thing? And... and I like that they are establishing that the Doctor has absolutely zero interest mm. in that, and he's aware how these kind of infatuations can happen, and that's why he's roped Rory in. Is just like, no, let's push these two back together before yeah. this gets out of hand. Yeah. Um, so they go to Venice. Yeah, lovely romantic destination in, in fifteen eighty. Yeah, <laughs> coincidentally, yeah. and. It's quite good. They gain entrance to the city using the psychic papers Mm -hmm. because it's a plague-free zone. Mm -hmm. So they need to break the quarantine to get in there. And they're told it's a plague-free zone thanks to Rosanna Calvieri. Mm -hmm. Who, it's no spoilers to say, we later on find out is the lady that runs this school. Yeah, the sort of headmistress. Um, In fact, I think we might even find that out straight away when they say, you know, it's the girls... You see the girls marching out of the school. They've all got veils on. Yeah, and parasols maybe as well. Yeah, because yeah. you don't want no sunlight if you yeah. have a big old vampire. Yes, a, a perfectly normal, regular vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not some kind of weird fish alien. <laughs> have you ever seen a good vampire film? Now, oh, that's a question. 
I was just thinking uh, then because I was like, I've seen, I mean, embarrassingly, mm. I've seen Twilight, but their vampires yeah. are different. Yeah. And then I was like, I've seen old ones like Nosferatu. Yeah, I've seen Nosferatu as well, which is like, I mean, it's interesting from a sort of scholarly perspective. You wouldn't, you couldn't call it a good film. What about Could Lost you? Boys? I've never seen Lost Boys. What about Blade Two? It's the best of the three Blade films. <laughs> yes, but does it count as a good vampire film? It's a good it's film with vampires, vampires in it. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same thing. I don't know. I mean, for me, vam- when people say vampires, I, I always just go back to Buffy. I don't think yeah. Buffy's ever been topped in terms of doing interesting things with vampires. Honestly, my mind's pulling an absolute blank. Mm. Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> Can't say I've bothered with those, but I honestly can't think of any. They saw I don't know our generation. Right, we're they? like the zombie generation, aren't we? We love, we love zombie films. I mean, I certainly a lot of zombie films are made, and they're certainly my I've never been big on zombies. What about Bram Stoker's Dracula? Is that Gary Oldman? I don't think I've seen that one. And then there's Interview with a Vampire. That's yeah. Brad Pitt, isn't it? And Christian Slater. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there is any vampire film that I've watched that I would happily watch a second time. I've got one. Okay. What we do in the shadows? Oh yes, actually yes. I will. I will make an exception for what we do in the shadows. So the best vampire film <laughs> is one that absolutely mocks all but, other vampires. You know that makes sense for me because like my favourite zombie film, going back to that, is, is Shaun of the Dead. Mm. Like. Which I think both does the job of working as a genuine zombie movie and is also incredibly funny. I, so. I'm going to say something that shock, will shock you. Uh-huh. I don't really like the other two films in the Cornetto trilogy. Do you not? No. I quite Hot like Fuzz it. didn't really do much for me. I liked Hot Fuzz. I thought it was a bit too long. Mm. But I don't think I've even seen The End of the World. Have you not? Oh, it's I, worth a go. I think I maybe started it and yeah. just petered out. Yeah, you've got to be in the right frame of mind for it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, definitely it's a trilogy that starts strong and loses its way a little bit after Shaun of the Dead. Mm. But, I mean, Shaun of the Dead still holds up as a stonking great film that like, oh, I can just absolutely. chuck on at any point and yeah. gladly watch. Anyway, we've got a sidetrack again, haven't we? Yeah. So, yes. Right, so, the girls leave the school, they've got veils and parasols, and Guido is there looking for his daughter. Uh-huh. So he's attempting to almost pull back the veil, mm-hmm. check face by face. He just yeah. assumes she's maybe been brainwashed. But one of the girls snarls at him with, I've called them fangs. Should yeah. we describe the the maw? I don't know. It's, it's fangs, isn't it? I don't Fang-ish. know, because they're like elongated. They're not just standard vampire teeth where you've got your normal human teeth and two big canines. No. Each There's... one's like its own spear. Yes, yeah. So they're long, they're... thin. They are elaborate. They look like a McDonald's yeah. chip. <laughs> okay. And he... eventually the Doctor catches up to him. We find out they're the Calvieri girls. And Guido tells him that something magical, but something evil happens at that school. Yeah. So at this point we cut to Rosanna, and I just put she drinks really weirdly. 
<laughs> you know, like those photos you saw, was it Michael Gove, where he can't drink a glass of water <laughs> properly? Yes. It's a bit like that. <laughs> yes. you know, who holds a glass at arm's length and tries to make their lips do the hard work? <laughs> okay. Yeah, she's like drinking from a goblet, isn't she? I yeah. Think, with like, like possibly being proffered by her son. We haven't discussed her son yet. But no. I've seen him. Who, so, Francesco. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, he's like a bit of a dandy. Almost, he's he's your archetypal mummy's boy. Yeah, is what he is. Yeah, he's, but he's yeah. very well kept. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, very he's hiding. He's he's dressed in the sort of high Italian fashions of of the era. Mm. Um, so it's a lot of frills and and fancy. So he says to Rosanna at this point, "It's time to meet my brothers." Yeah. So obviously something batshit mental's going on. Yeah. Um. So. Following on from that, Francesco reappears and he's watching Amy. Now we get the impression he's going to do something pretty nasty. But he then bites a flower girl instead. Yeah. Okay. So I think the flower girl tries to speak to Amy and is... I think she just tries to... She just offers Francesco a flower. That's right. And, and he's just like... Yeah, and I'll just suck your blood instead. Yeah. So So Amy gives chase once the flower girl's been bitten. Uh-huh. She's obviously got two marks on her neck, uh-huh. as all vampire victims do. Yeah. And as she chases him, they reach a dead end, and he appears to be under the water watching her. I'm sure yeah. that's nothing. <laughs> right, so the doctor breaks into the school. And he's surrounded by girls that don't appear in the mirror. So there's another vampire trope. Yep. Yeah, we're just ticking them off, aren't we? Just, yeah, just as we go. Okay. So they speak in unison to him. And I've put in my notes, they are vampires. Because <laughs> he's they, like, what else could they, they be? They can't be, because that goes against everything yeah. Doctor Who's ever told. Yeah. Right. So the Doctor meets Amy again. And again, I think it's at this point. He says, you know, they can't be... If they're not vampires, what the That's hell are they? they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they are just, like, conforming to so many of the tropes. Okay. So they go to see Guido for help breaking into the school. Mm-hmm. And their plan is to pretend Amy is a student. That would get her inside the four walls. Yeah. Once she's there, Guido explains that there's almost like a shipping tunnel... For deliveries, if Amy's able to open that, they can sail a boat round Venice, meet yeah. her there, and they can basically break in the back door. Yeah. So, um, and, and I think one of the key things in the scene, like a running theme of this episode, is kind of Rory feeling a bit emasculated. You know, he already the psychic paper has dubbed him Amy's eunuch. Yes. Um, and now they're having the discussion of like who should be handing over. Mm-hmm. Amy and so initially uh, the doctor's like oh well I'll be you, I'll be pretending you be your father and then uh, to which Amy says well no you look about nine that's yes. not gonna work um, so then she's like um, Rory you can be my cousin uh, and um, Rory's like you know I could be your fiance. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but it's like it's it's kind of like again, Rory's been kind of like downgraded in his own relationship. Yeah, with, and uh, there's like the back and forth between Amy and the Doctor, where they finish each other's sentences. Yeah, you can tell Rory's kind of 
he's a bit of an outsider still. Did it make you think of Mickey? Yeah. I, I think there's definitely parallels there. Yeah. But this time, the Doctor's rebuffing the advances. Yes. You know, Yeah. if we go right to the end of the Bad Wolf saga, uh-huh. we find out he did have feelings yeah. for Rose. Yeah. But here, it's Crystal Clear, he doesn't. Yes, yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think he means to be dismissive of Rory. It's just kind of like it's just how he operates. Yeah, yeah. And R- R- Rory at this point, he's not up to speed. Like R- Amy's uh, basically Amy's already gone through the tutorial levels. She's yes. yeah, like she knows what the deal is traveling with the Doctor, and Rory's having to kind of pick it up as he goes along. Still, so Rory eventually does take Amy, and it almost mirrors that opening scene because as soon as he leaves, they're all just vampires again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so once inside, Amy meets Isabella. So Isabella is Guido's daughter. Yeah. And Isabella tells her this like horror story of what happens mm-hmm. at night. Yeah. So she says, you know, something happens at night, you're strapped to a chair. And it all gets a bit, you know, like torturous. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty disturbing stuff. So one of my favourite bits here was the Doctor and Guido sail to meet Amy at yeah. the door. And Guido's just wearing the stag do shirt for Rory's well, stag. Yeah, because he had to swap clothes with, uh, with Rory. Rory so Rory yeah. could pose as Amy's uh, cousin. Yeah, but it's just the fact he's literally <laughs> yeah. wearing it. Yeah, like, you knew it was delightful. coming, but it delivers so much yeah, more. Yeah, it's so funny. He doesn't acknowledge it. He's no. such a serious character. Yeah, but he's got this big red love heart <laughs> with Amy and Rory. Yeah, it says on Rory's the stag on the back. Yeah, yeah it's delightful. So. Amy <coughs> is on her way to the tunnel mm-hmm. where she's stopped by. I've called him Rosanna's assistant. Oh he's yeah, just wasn't like it Carlo or something? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, just a creepy old guy. He is, yeah, but he's just like he's obviously like bought in a hundred and ten percent into this kind of presumably just because it means. I think he's just one of those like snivelly guys where like you give them a little taste of power and and yes. that's enough for them. They yeah. don't care what's going on. So, he takes Amy to Rosanna, and Rosanna declares that she knew about the psychic paper because it only works on like low intelligence creatures. Yeah, yeah. I think if you if you if you know what you're looking for, you can spot it. Yeah, because they were going to use the psychic paper again as documents. Don't they say there's like a letter from the King of Sweden? Yes, yeah. Which they which they give yeah they give to her, and she just says like, "How interesting!" and hand yeah. that you know. So like you always, I think I. I mean, obviously, I've seen this episode before, but I didn't remember that detail. But what I was, I was like, oh yeah, she's she's sussed it at that yeah. moment. Yeah. So, long story short, Amy gets bitten. Yeah. So she's going to turn into an old vampire. Yeah, because they like they they take her down to the room that Isabella described, and then strap her into the chair and yeah, uh, do the old. Because is it Francesca that bites her? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember, but yeah, one of the so whilst we're investigating. The Doctor and Rory find a body that is totally dehydrated. Yeah. So this is where we get our first indication it's not vampires as we know them. Yes, because it's not just the blood that's been drained. Yeah, it's all moisture. Mm. Okay. And Rosanna says that they drink until they're dry and begin to replace the human blood with their blood. Yeah. So we know they're not human. We're not quite certain they're vampires. What the hell's going on? Yeah. Okay, and she says to Amy that Amy's not to worry because there's 10,000 husbands waiting for her. Yeah. 
that's a creepy thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's what I liked here because it it points so heavily to say they're vampires, but at every step you know they're not. Yeah. So you constantly have to ask yourself, well, what are they? Yeah, I, I feel like it is kind of playing on the fact that if you're an experienced Doctor Who fan, which a lot of people watching this will be at this point, because you know the show's been around for like five years already at this mm-hmm. point on you know in its current incarnation. Um, so it's like you know the drill to some extent. So they're having a bit, bit more fun with the fact that you know it's not just going to be straightforward vampires because it's not that kind of a show. Mm. So uh, yeah, so. This is where we find out what they actually are. <laughs> because Amy, breaking up the chair, goes to kick Rosanna. Yeah. And just by chance, kicks her in, like, a cloaking device. Yes. That looks like a CD Walkman. Yeah, it's like it's strapped to her hip, and it's, yeah. it's quite a bulky bit of kit. Um, and yeah, so we get a little flash of... And we get to see Rosanna's true form. Yeah. That I've described as a big fish spider thing. Yep, pretty accurate. So, it's like an arachnid body. It's got, like, insectoid legs. Yeah, it's quite spindly. And then, just got a big fish face. Yeah. What did you think of the design? Well, I think it made sense, because when I say fish face, it's like one of those deep ocean... I forget what are they angler Angler fish. Yeah. 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 So it doesn't have the little lamp, but it does have that kind of skull shape, and uh, like the big jaggedy teeth, and... Mm. uh, so that explains DDO. why the vampires appear to have these big freaky teeth. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not vampires, they're fish. Yeah. Okay. And just to really hang a hat on my constant observation that it's never vampires, it's always aliens. <laughs> I like that Amy just goes, oh, it's not vampires, it's aliens. And the doctor just goes, ha ha, classic. <laughs> She's yeah. like, yeah, it's fucking classic. <laughs> it's the plot to every episode. Yeah. Good stuff. But that's the sort of thing I'm really liking at the moment. Like, Mm -hmm. every episode now, Amy just complains at how much they run about. Yeah. And, like, I've been doing that for years. That's eight years. Like, Yeah, you definitely get the sense that, like, now that they've really established the show, they can can afford to be a little bit more meta with it. Yeah. Yeah. So So they do run about for a bit. Uh Uh-huh. And Guido's waiting for them. Okay. And... As they're about to escape, his daughter, Isabella, can't face the sunlight. Yeah. So, they're all running away. She essentially comes to the exit and almost has to retreat back into the building away from the sun. so they don't get to save her. So, she's trapped, the door closes, and when the doctor... (laughs) I didn't really get this. Mm. When he tries to reopen it, the wooden door electrocutes him. Yeah, and they'd obviously got some kind of protective yeah. uh, field or something. So, yeah. So, for her crime of trying to escape, Isabella is sentenced to death, which involves her walking the plank into monster-infested water. Yeah. I mean, is it the monsters? Is it the sun's? I think it's meant to be. It's like I mean, we never sons. actually yeah. see what's below the water. No, I think I think that's the idea that it's it's her sons okay. lurking under. So the doctor then seats himself in Rosanna's chair mm-hmm. when she returns to. I mean, it's almost like a palatial room that she sits in yeah. most of the yeah. time. 
And he calls her out, says that she's from, is it Saturnine? Saturnine? Yeah, something like that. At first Uh, I thought it was Saturnine, but I think it's Saturnine. Saturnine, yeah. Okay. And this is where we get the explanation for all the vampire tropes. Yeah. So it's it's a big old info dump of a scene. Yeah. But I really, really like the dynamic between Matt Smith and uh, the actress playing Rosanna. Yeah. Like... There is a real kind of. It's almost like, you know, two wolves from rival packs, like circling but each other. We, we've seen this before that the Doctor is used to being the most intelligent man in the room. Yeah. And when he comes across someone who maybe could outwit him, mm-hmm. that's when. It, when he's got his back against the wall. Yeah. You know, he's never physically that intimidated it's when it comes to someone who can possibly outthink outsmart yeah absolutely and you see a lot of the that's the point where a lot of the sort of the the, the sort of the bumbly act kind of goes away yeah and you you kind of see that the the shrewdness underneath like Tennant was really good at it yeah but Matt Smith the difference is almost greater yeah in that he has to go from really silly. Yeah. Tennant was never as playful and silly. Mm. But to get to the same level of, you know, seriousness, Matt yeah. Smith's almost got a longer journey. Yes, yeah, sense. yeah. I, I think um, you're seeing with his performance, um, it was quite a conscious thing for him. when, when he, he watched a few of the, cl- the classic Doctors when he was kind of figuring out how he was going to approach mm-hmm. the role. And the one that really jumped out for him was uh, Patrick Troughton. Okay. Um, who very much did that kind of, you know, played the bumbling clown so his opponents would underestimate him. Right. Um, and I think you, you, you're you seeing that come through quite a lot of, in his performance in this uh, series. But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to just chat that I really like the, this. Yeah. For, for what could be a really dry, just like, okay, here's all the information you need to like resolve the plot for the episode. But it feels more substantial than that just because of the way it's being played by these mm-hmm. two. So it turns out the reason you can't see them in the, f- the mirror is the cloaking device is filtered out by your brain. Yes, so to be clear... It's a perception filter, mm-hmm. so it's not physically changing anything. Yes. It's not a projection, it's just, it's kind of like casting a field, almost like a spell over the person, so that you're resolving it to what you expect them to look would, like. Would that then mean that you couldn't see the TARDIS in a mirror? Because doesn't that alter to fit its surroundings? Haven't we had that revelation? Well, there's two, two two things at play with the TARDIS. You've got one, the fact that... Um, I think they have mentioned before that there is a bit of a perception filter on it. Maybe not as strong. Yeah. Um, but also, it's got the... Um, oh, what's it called? The chameleon oh, yes. thing yeah. too. Uh, so, theoretically, it should change to an object that suits its environment. But it's obviously been stuck as a police box for a considerable yeah. amount of time. Right, so this is where we get most of the exposition. Yeah. So we find out that Rosanna is running from the silence. Yeah. I mean, everything so far this series has been, so why not? Yeah. So the silence, 
we've seen it. It's whatever's going to come through this crack. It's the great nothing. Silence will fall. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, Prisoner Zero said. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Pompeii there. Yeah. That <laughs> conversation. So, they fled through a crack into the ocean. Mm-hmm. I think she said there was multiple cracks. This is the one that most resembled her home world. Yeah. And she offers the Doctor, like, a position of power to rule alongside her. Yeah. And we get another one of my favourite lines. He just goes, but I'm a Time Lord and you're a big fish. (laughs) Think of the children. Yeah. What a great line. That is a great line. He says it so nonchalantly as if (laughs) it's perfectly normal that we're just going to have a big fish. Okay. And he says the reason he's going to make her pay is... She never went as far as to learn Isabella's name. Yes. So, yeah. you know, clearly she doesn't care for these girls. There's, mm. You know, they're just nameless victims to her. Yeah. So that's where he draws the line. Yeah, because I, I, we've seen before, he's potentially willing to allow alien species to settle. on Because that's what he wanted to do with the girl back in uh, Unquiet Dead. Yeah. Um, he, he wanted to offer them that, that opportunity for for uh like sanctuary on earth mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it is it's the deal breaker was the fact that it showed that she didn't have any regard for the human lies she was exploiting and, and you know presumably eventually replacing so so the doctor then works out rosanna's plan is to sink venice she was like an underwater city. Yeah. Because only males were able to survive coming through the crack. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't really explain how she got through. And a special hat. Yeah. She's basically, <laughs> she's basically the one yeah. woman that got through. through. Yeah. And that is why she's claiming these girls. And so she can convert them, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, into females so breeding can begin. Yeah. And her species can survive. Okay, now, when chased, Guido sacrifices himself. Yeah. So, I think they're in, like, a house trying they're, to come up in, with Gu- a plan. Guido's house, he's got, um, he's got stacks of gunpowder yeah. um, that he's, like, nicked from work. His initial plan was to, like, yeah. sail a ship of gunpowder and just blow the school up. Yeah. Okay, but when the vampires approach his house, mm-hmm. they chase everyone out. Is it at this point that does the doctor give him something to fight them off with? Uh, yes, they've got like the UV That's torch right. thing that you know yeah, keeps them at bay a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So Guido's at the back as they're coming down the stairs. Yeah. He says to the doctor, "Hand me the torch. Yeah. I'm at the back. I can fend them off." And as everyone escapes, he shuts the door behind them. Yeah. And blows his house up. Yeah. And. Pretty big explosion as well. Pretty good yeah, effect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Doctor then has a real go at Amy, and he's done this a few times. Yeah. And for as much as I think Matt Smith might be my favourite Doctor now, I'm still not buying into Amy that much. Mm. She hasn't really done a great deal, and she's somewhat nondescript. I feel she's almost cut from the same mould as Rose, but without the development that Rose has. Yeah, I mean, well, you've got her complicated history 
with the Doctor. Yeah, but... But, um... I get where you're coming from. I do get where you're coming from. In you know, even... So far, she's not... You can't say she's as proactive in, like, solving situations. Or, you know, if, like, if we if we go back, Rose went with the Doctor for want of a better life. Yeah. Martha went with the Doctor because her life was so stressful and Sorry. everything was falling apart. Yeah. She just needed that break. Yeah. And then... I can't even Donna. Know. Donna, that's right. So Donna goes with him because, you know, her life had fallen apart in terms of her wedding mm-hmm. and she just was waiting for that great adventure yeah. in life. And I don't think we've really seen that yet from Amy. We haven't got that reason other than, obviously, that interaction in childhood. Yeah. But that isn't really that alluded to. They don't have her at home every episode. Yeah, so, it's just yeah. like that happened, and now they're great mates. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think in some ways that's more akin to the approach of like the classic series, where mm-hmm. once you're on board the TARDIS, you're on board, and we don't really necessarily need to keep hammering that home or addressing it. Just you're a companion now, and you just you're along for the ride, mm-hmm. however long that ride turns out to be. Right, so back in the big room that has Rosanna's like throne, the Doctor opens it up, finds out there's a machine inside it, uh-huh. and he tells her that all the girls are gone. Mm-hmm. So Francesco now approaches Amy, and he's going to kill her, until Rory says, well, the only thing I've seen uglier than you... Is your mum? Yeah, because he's trying to—he's like trying to bait him, and he, he like he's insulting him first of all, and getting nowhere. And then, yeah, he turns it round. Well, on his there's mom. a great bit as well yeah. where he holds up like two candlesticks, oh, the shape yes. of a crucifix. Yeah, and Amy just goes, "No, we've worked out they're not really vampires. <laughs> That's not going to work." <laughs> yeah, but yeah, um, but yeah. So he insults him, and, and I and I love. We haven't really talked about much about Francesco, like because he's a very one-note character, mm. but definitely like fills that role really well. Oh, very much. So. And like the way he says, "What did you say about mummy?" And it's just like, yeah, that's exactly what you want from that. So Francesco yeah. and yeah. Rory, I don't want to call it a sword fight because yeah. Rory's using a broom. Yes, and, and as not the... very effectively. No, and as the fight goes on, yeah. the broom gets shorter and shorter as it gets whittled away. Yeah. Uh, until you feel there's no real hope yeah. for Rory. But Amy uses like her compact makeup mirror yeah. to divert sunlight to blast uh, Francesca. Uh-huh. And I, I use the word blast because he just explodes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like normal vampires where you would see it like burn their skin and they'd be weakened. Yeah. He just blows up. It's just, I, just a toast. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's the end of Francesca. Yeah. Um, so then they join up with the Doctor again. And the Doctor realises there's like a transmitter. Mm. So part of the way that their plan to sink Venice was going to come about was through like weather manipulation. Yes, because in the big showdown, uh, in the big sort of info dump scene with um, between Rosanna and uh, the Doctor, she says, like chastising him, uh, I will bend the heavens to save my species. Mm -hmm. Um, What will you do to save yours? And um, 
the doctor realizes she, she meant that kind of literally. She's yes. actually she's going to be manipulating the weather in order to flood Venice. Yeah. So yeah. So the doctor then climbs the bell tower to destroy the signal generator. Yeah. Uh, I like the fact that he's looking at all these whirly cogs and he's got the sonic screwdriver. Yeah. But it's literally just a little off switch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just looks at it for a second, just like, ah, uh, that, and that's yeah. that. And he just yeah. turns it off straight away. Yeah. Uh, doing so halts the plan and means Rosanna is going to meet her fate. Okay? So she wants to jump into the water yeah. with her children. Yeah. And the doctor tries to stop her. Yes. Tries to reason with her. Mm. Um, I think he sort of sympathises with the fact that her planet was obviously destroyed by the mm-hmm. silence, and and like she uses it to, to, to taunt him as well. Like his history says says to him, you know, can you have another uh, extinct species on your conscience? Or I forget the exact one. Something yeah. on those lines, um, and yeah, and then just jumps in, presumably to. Maybe to drown, maybe to be devoured by her sons? Just one line of my notes. <laughs> yeah. I've just put, I think they eat her. I like, think we are meant to think that. there's like some bubbles. Yeah. Then the bubbles get really vigorous. Yeah. And then they just stop. stop. I think it's meant to be like a piranha feeding frenzy yeah. type yeah, scene. I think that's the vibe they're going for. So, at the end, Amy tells Rory he should tag along, come on the TARDIS, mm-hmm. have an adventure. Yeah. And just... As he's about to step on, the doctor says, can you hear that noise? And Rory says, well, no. And the doctor goes, yeah, me neither. And it's the silence. Yeah, the it's silence like eerily silent. Like, yeah. before, like, the, you'd hear, hear, like, the sounds of the townspeople and chickens clucking and things like mm. that. And all of a sudden, nothing. Yeah. Mm. So all in all, I think this was an okay episode. As, like, a nice little standalone one. It doesn't... Yeah. It doesn't do- Come at you too heavily. No, it's it's very breezy and in, yeah, enjoyable. And, and it's it's the sort of episode I would have expected at the end of a season. Yeah, where it's just like, look, guys, you know what's going on. We've got the finale on the horizon. Don't yeah. worry about it. Just like we just got oh, to fill a bit of time. Yeah, it's fish this yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but for all the fact that like the plot itself is fairly incidental. It is moving things forward because the relationship between Amy and Rory, the fact that we've now got Rory on board the TARDIS, mm-hmm. um, that yeah, changes. I'm, I'm not going to make the same mistake. I'm not going to say, oh yeah, it's like that Pompeii episode where nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, this is probably the most important episode in Doctor Who <laughs> history. Um, you know, there'll be some minute detail <laughs> that I'll have missed. <laughs> You know, at the end when Satan comes, he'll be wearing a jumper from Rory's stag day. <laughs> Turns out he was, he was in that working men's club all along. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, uh, how do you feel about having Rory on board the TARDIS? Um, I think it creates like an interesting dynamic because um, we've seen it a little bit before where there's been more than one person tagging along. Yeah, we've had Jack for a couple of episodes, we've had Mickey for a couple of episodes, um, and I like the idea that. You've got the Doctor, who is the true expert. Yeah. And I think we maybe saw it a little bit with Rose when Mickey came along, mm. where Rose was like the pseudo-expert, yeah. giving it big guns, trying yeah. to you know impress. So I'm excited to see how that, how yeah. that goes. Especially as, I mean, at this point, Rory is there because Amy's there. 
Yes. If Amy wasn't there, he would have no interest mm. in it. Because you get the feeling he's quite happy with a quiet life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, obviously, Amy wants a little bit more mm. out of life. Maybe that will be explored a little bit more in next week's episode, mm. uh, which is entitled Amy's Choice. Uh, but until then, thanks very much for listening, everyone, and cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.